Welcome to Virtual Economy, a podcast about the business of games for the rest of us. We're your hosts. I'm Amanda Farrow. And I'm Michael Footer. Each episode will cover the biggest business beats and bring in expert commentary from lawyers, analysts, and industry pros. This is episode 137, Embracer 8 Middle Earth Enterprises for Second Breakfast. What about Second Breakfast? They come in pints? I'm getting one. Welp. Yeah. <laughs> Man is home! <laughs> Yay. And we're still our stupid selves. Uh, yes. Clearly nothing's changed. Yes. In that regard. So... Potatoes! Yep. Potatoes. Given to me raw and wriggling. <laughs> uh, this is terrible. It's all terrible. I'm the worst. Amanda, you're my own. My precious. <laughs> we could sit here doing Lord of the Rings references legitimately all day. We could. Uh, so this is another mixed episode. Uh, given our schedules, we are kind of smushing together earnings and news uh, we have a number of companies. I think this is kind of, we're nearing the end of earnings. I think so. We're nearing the end of earnings. We're almost through the tunnel, folks. The light at the end of the tunnel is bright and red for some of these companies, though. Oh. oh. Honestly, for many, for many, as we've been talking about for the last couple of quarters, it's ugly yeah. out there. It is ugly. It's even uglier this quarter. Yeah. So Why don't you take us through Unity? Because oh. this one's this one had an interesting week. This one's this one's also ugly. All right, so kicking off this week with Unity, which is in a state of upheaval right now after rocky earnings, bad publicity, and a potential merger that will take it even further away from its roots as an engine company. But before we get into that, let's talk about the earnings. Unity's revenue was up nine percent to two hundred and ninety-seven million dollars year over year. Create Solutions, which is the Unity engine increased 66% to $120.9 million. Operate Solutions dropped 13%, and Operate Solutions is the 360 live ops stuff that they offer, you know, separately from Unity the Engine. So this is the, this is ads and monetization and user acquisition and all that other stuff for, because they've made a bunch of acquisitions. Along yeah, there. yeah, absolutely. This is, that's, that's the stuff to keep live ops games going. And as we, you know, we talked about with Scott Hartsman, you know, all them years ago at the yeah. very beginning of our show, live ops is a really really cranky demon yeah absolutely so you know giving giving developers access to live ops solutions for their games very cool doing what they're doing at unity currently not so cool anyway yes. so operate operate solutions dropped 13 percent to 158.5 million dollars but this is about where the good news stops Operating losses continue to mount, and they have been mounting since Unity went public. Honestly, since before Unity went sure. public. Unity was in the red, so $197.7 million, or 67, 67% of revenue, from $149.2 million, or 55% of revenue. So just, let me reframe that for a second. 67% of revenue is attributable to loss. Yeah, so essentially the reason why you look at this as a as a ratio, right, is to show you know, you could have huge revenue and you could have huge losses, but if those losses are only 10-20% of your revenue and you're moving in the right direction heading towards being in the black, 
Exactly. That's great. But this is moving in the opposite direction. This is moving in the opposite direction. And Unity has been, bottom line, really unstable. Yeah, has been from the beginning. And we knew it was going to be unstable at the beginning, but it hasn't gotten any better and it's been two years. Yeah, it ain't great. It is not great. Now, this is something... Did we talk about this last week? I know this kind of emerged in the news and then kind of got confirmed. But Unity is looking to split off its Chinese operations. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't hear about that. Uh, Yeah, so they're partnering with Alibaba Group, China Mobile Limited, Oppo, and ByteDance's Douyin, which is like TikTok for China. Mm -hmm. Unity is going to remain in control of the Chinese operation, but this spinoff means they're, they're really dividing things out. And I'm... I'm Honestly, sure though, this is related to what's been going on in China. With- I would imagine that this is everything to do with regulations, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, I can, yeah, I can't imagine they would want to spin off something, you know, yeah. potentially that lucrative and not have it in, have I mean, it to be theirs. It's, theirs. it's still going to feed into the bottom line, but I have a funny feeling that they're going to be giving up a lot to these partners in order to... Keep it operational. Yeah, it's either you give up some or you lose all, probably, in this situation. I would imagine so. And it wouldn't be good for Chinese developers. No, it really wouldn't. Quite frankly. And, you know, Chinese developers have already been through the ringer. They don't need more nonsense. Yeah. All right. Unity has also signed a new contract to supply the U.S. government with a, quote, 3D platform for future systems design and simulation programs. As you can imagine, this went over like a lead balloon with a development community that is already growing tired of Unity's. I mean, it depends on how you look on it, whether it's a full move away from being an engine company or just deprioritizing in a major way. Remember, this was the company that was going to shut down its knowledge base, right? It was going to shut down its forms and all of those responses and all of that, that knowledge was going to be lost. Now, they ultimately decided not to do that. But the fact that they would even entertain something like that without having a way to archive and replace that. Can you imagine Microsoft ever doing away with KB? No, no, I absolutely could not. That thing is too valuable. It's too, like I had, I got an entire education from kb alone yeah when i was learning how to use like microsoft server microsoft like windows server 2003 i want to say yeah i learned how to use that entire platform because of kb yeah oh man i you know i can't imagine imagine them doing that i mean it's it was just a boneheaded decision and i'm glad they walked it back but it the the sentiment that we're seeing on social media which of course is not everybody but there is a there is it's a, a it's a vocal and fairly sizable chunk of prominent developers yeah and they are really unhappy with the direction unity is moving and there's been a lot of buzz about developers moving off of unity because they can't trust that the company's going to have their best interests at heart even if things are okay right now if things aren't stable for those developers if they don't feel safe moving into the future you run into a situation where you're not going to be able to support your games so a lot of them as Unreal 5 is ready to start rolling out and developers have it in hand already, as that becomes more established and, the, and again, the knowledge base and the, and the available resources on that become more prevalent, I have a funny feeling we're going to see the percentage of Unity games go down. And it's too bad because Unity was really billed as this much more approachable alternative to a giant engine like mm-hmm. Unreal. And as somebody who has attempted to learn Unreal Engine, I think I tried to learn Unreal 2. Well, yeah, I understand it's gotten a lot. It was inscrutable back then. And Mm. I mean, granted, I'm an old woman at this point. (laughs) And I tried to learn it like way back in, what was it, like 2005? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's been a while. My understanding of Unreal is you click the multiplayer button and suddenly your game has multiplayer. I learned that on YouTube from somebody who's never developed a game. Wow, that's so valuable. (laughs) 
Speaking of valuable, and by not by valuable, I mean not valuable. Um, during this quarter, Unity announced that it will emerge, it'll merge rather, with Iron Source, which some folks have labeled a malware company. Now, we did go into that when the merger was announced, and James Batchelor over at Games Industry actually did a great job yeah, digging into why people have referred to Iron Source as a malware company. So Go and check out Games Industry. We're like we we linked it in the show notes way back when. Um, I think it was like what four weeks ago. Uh, it was some. It was within the last month. Yeah, I think it was in the last month. So the last time that we talked about Unity, you know, mm-hmm. James Bachelor wrote a wrote a great piece about yeah. it. So go check that out. But here's the biggie, Mike. Yeah, yeah. You ever heard of App Lovin? I we've actually talked about App Lovin. We really have talked about App Lovin. App Lovin it. We need to be stopped. You glad I'm home? Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad you're home. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about AppLovin before. Um, AppLovin is, they they work in mobile solutions, like mobile game solutions. And there is, so they do things like user acquisition. They do ads. Um, they do a lot of the stuff that, you know, Unity operates solutions currently supports. But they do it for like lots of money. So yeah, I, mm, okay. So anyway, let's talk about AppLovin. Let's talk about AppLovin. AppLovin has made a $17.5 billion all stock offer to purchase slash merge with Unity. And the reason why I framed it like that is because on the surface, this is like, oh, it's effectively a merger of mostly equals. But yeah, there's some weird stuff here. There really is. It's actually being deemed a hostile takeover since it was entirely unsolicited. The deal would also potentially preempt the Iron Source merger. Mm. So this puts an 18% premium on Unity's share price. Yeah. Okay, that's great. But an 18% premium on a garbage share price is still a garbage share price. Yeah. So if this deal were to close, Unity would own 55% of the company but 49% of the voting That's rights. That's definitely a hostile takeover. Yeah. This is some Vivendi shit. It, it is, and at the same time, Riccatello would remain the new CEO, and AppLovin CEO, Adam Faroe. <laughs> no relation, No relation to Ma- uh, Amanda Faroe? 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 Yeah. I, I don't know. I've had my last name butchered a lot in the last few weeks. I feel this pain. Adam uh, Ferengi would be its... <laughs> It's chief operating <laughs> officer. Mean. <laughs> Names are sacred, Michael. I know. And this guy loves his, his latinum. Oh. <laughs> Females. <laughs> Free rails. <laughs> uh, Unity's board did unanimously reject the app love and offer tanking its stock, taking Unity's stock 7% yeah. in the process. But I mean, they said it wasn't like the reason why they rejected it is because they said it was not in the best interest of shareholders. The company is definitely still planning on proceeding with its Iron Source merger, but rejecting the AppLovin merger is because, can you imagine the absolute mass exodus after something like that? Because oh, yeah. that is not just a signal that they're moving away from the engine. That's the end. That's the end. And I mean, an Iron Source isn't much better in terms of this as a merger. Like, people are not happy about this. But this would make it even worse. It would. Now, here's the deal. Like, it's making the fire worse, not better. Yes. <laughs> We're pouring, we're pouring fire on the fire. Yeah, I heard you like some fire with your fire. Yeah. I got you some fire, bro. Yeah. Cool story, bro. Vivian would like to watch this thing burn. Oh my God. So here's the thing. From here, it's going to be very interesting to watch because AppLovin could shrug its shoulders, take its ball and go home. Or they could go full on hostile. I, 
I don't know. I don't know enough about Applovin's internal culture to understand what the potential motivations there would be. Mm-hmm. I know that literally everybody in gaming or in gaming adjacent, and Applovin is gaming adjacent, everybody's taken a hit. Oh, yeah, they have. Their and stock price has dropped quite a lot. And we're going to get there because we're going to talk about NPD this episode. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, not even, we're not even going to talk about all the delays that have happened. Like, there have been so many delays even since our last show. Now, we're not surprised by that. No, no. I mean, like, course. listen, COVID, y'all. It's 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 uh, a thing. In fact, we're going to be talking about a delay potentially in Zing in uh, Take Two Town. We are, uh, in fact. Because I so, think that happened along the way. So that's yeah. what's that's what's happening with Unity. Things are not great at Unity. I would imagine that more good people are going to up and leave and move into other companies mm-hmm. and potentially Epic will snap them up or... You know, maybe this will also breed additional competition. Yeah. You know, building new engines. It's not easy. It's not. It's it, not easy at all to build an engine. Well, and the just reason, like it's not easy to build an operating system. Right. And the reason why you have a small number of operating systems and a small number of popular engines is because unless you have the wherewithal of a company like Ubisoft or EA, which has moved away in in significant amounts from frostbite but ubisoft ubisoft allows its teams to build out their own tech and like they have the resources to do that as an indie developer you don't have those resources no i mean some of you do like but then you run into a telltale situation right because the telltale engine was was part of the reason why that why that company tanked and they were were about to to move to unity they weren't able to they weren't able to innovate fast enough with regards to their their tools and technology this is why we love tools programmers yes uh so here's the thing if you see that app 11 makes a stock purchase in unity uh then that is a signal at this point that they are moving for a full hostile takeover and then stuff gets interesting Oh, it's going to get real wonky. Yeah. As someone who has covered hostile takeovers before in depth, like... That was actually some of the first stuff I read from you. I I think that... Well, I think it was over on Game Informer. Well, that was the... So probably, uh, if I'm thinking about it, it was Activision buying itself out from under Vivendi, which is kind of... Yeah, I think that's what that was. But then, of course, I covered the Vivendi attempt to... Like the Gameloft and Ubisoft stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. And And then, of course, now Tencent which bailed Ubisoft out, now, of course, potentially looking to increase its ownership of Ubisoft, as we talked about. Right, but as we discussed last week, with regards to that, there are actual measures and paperwork in place that yeah. prevent any kind of hostile takeover exactly. from, from Tencent. So, yeah. like, they're still protected. Okay. Okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about Take-Two, which is actually a Wonder Twins team-up now, now that they've acquired Zynga, because Take-Two's usually mine form of what form of uh spreadsheet awesome yeah uh so uh i I will be giving the color on the take two side manda will be chiming in here on the zynga side uh because because zynga has been on her beat for quite some time uh so this does mark the first time that take two is reporting earnings post zynga acquisition and it has choked down (laughs) zynga's losses as we'll talk about in a second man poor zynga you know they've been working so hard to just dig themselves out of the giant hole that they made. And, you know, Frank Gabot has done such an incredible mm-hmm. job of leading that company to to better pastures with yeah. the Forever franchises. Man, I am disappointed. I will say this, though. If Strauss Zelnick ever does the, the Straussy two-shoe out the door. Uh, <laughs> Straussy two-shoe? Yeah. 
It's his little dance. Have you never seen Strauss Zelnick dance? No. Yeah. Oh, he does a little two-shoe thing? No, I got not. I don't. No, I hate it. both of his feet? No, I really hate it. Yeah, she wears both shoes on one foot. Uh, I would see, I could see Frank. As someone who's met (laughs) Strauss Zelnick. Did you ask him about his diary? I should have. Yeah, you should have. Have you, are you aware of Joystick's, the Strauss Zelnick Diaries? Uh, if you are not, listeners, familiar with Joystick's <laughs> old Strauss Zelnick Diaries that Alexander Solinsky wrote, uh, they were hilarious. They were very, very funny. They were amazing. You can go look them up. They're still online. Uh, so you think? Are you thinking that Gibault would be well-positioned? I, I actually think he would be extremely well-positioned to take over as CEO. He's, an, he's an innovator, too. He is. He really I think is he would innovator. do some really good things there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I like Frank. I liked him when he was at EA. Uh, I think this is this would be a very interesting that would be very interesting to see. So yeah. and just keep my eye on it. He's that. not your honestly and like the thing to like about Frank is that he's not your typical executive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so we're gonna be comparing Take Two's guidance, which didn't include Zynga in the numbers because they couldn't include that as guidance until the deal closed. Right, right. With the reality of things, including Zynga's guidance. Now Take yep. Two reports their or uh gives their guidance in a range. So just understand that. Yep. So net revenue for the quarter was $1.1 billion. That's up 36%. It was expected to be $810 million to $860 million without Zynga. Okay, so it was a marginal uptick. Um, it was $200 million that's at the still, lo- on the low end. That's still not, that's not stellar. I mean, it's 20%. For, it's not stellar for Zynga, though. No, and we'll talk about that. Absolutely. Uh, recurrent spending was up 44% and represented cool. 75% of total net revenue. So it's Again, gone up. Not a surprise. But it's gone up. Recurrent spend has gone up even for take Uh Yeah, I think so. Uh, largest contributors to net revenue were NBA 2K22, GTA Online, and GTA 5, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Red Dead Online, Empires and Puzzles, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, WWE 2K22, Rolex Hyper Casual Games, Toon Blast, The Quarry on the list. Ooh. Love to see that. And top 11. Cool. My mom plays Toon Blast. She does. She really does. She plays so much of it. Now, here we go. Net bookings were up 41% to $1 billion. Without Zynga, they were up 3%. So this is where Zynga really does shine. Yes. Zynga Zynga can move when it comes to net bookings Mm -hmm. because they have invested so much time, energy, and money into building their forever franchises like Empires and Puzzles, like Toon Blast. Toon Blast. (laughs) And, you know, they're, you know, words for friends and everything like that. Like, Mm -hmm. that is how they are able to continually create, you know, solid numbers for net bookings quarter over quarter. Yeah. And I think this is, this is still in line for where their, where their bookings should be given all of the upheaval that's been happening with regards to inflation. Absolutely. So, uh, digital... Net bookings. Oh, so bookings from recurrent spending were up 48% and represent 73% of total net bookings. Again, not surprising. In line with what we saw in net revenue. Digital net bookings were up 41% to $956 million and were 95% of total net bookings. Again, not a huge surprise here. Not surprised that that margin is even going further up with Zynga because all of that's digital. All of it's digital. Like there's there's not even a there's little no physical. bit of it. No physical there. There's no physical. So the biggest contributors to net bookings were NBA 2K22, GTA Online, and GTA 5. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, Really exciting to see that up there. Um, I should play that. Uh, I've got it. I'm ready to play with you whenever you want to go hacky slashy magic-y. Uh, Empires and Puzzles, RDR2 and Red Dead Online, WWE 2K22, Rollick's entire hyper-casual portfolio, oh. The Quarry, Toon Blast, and Top 11. Cool. Now, here's where, where we go. here's where things get a little, little wonky town. 
operating expenses were $704 million versus a guidance of 387 to 397 million. So if take two expenses were at their highest of $397 million, right? Mm -hmm. That means that, uh, Zynga expenses were three hundred million plus on top of that. That's not surprising to me. No, it's not surprising based not on what surprising. we've been covering. No, they've been. This is the way they've been for a decade plus at this point. Yeah, they've gotten a lot better, but that opex even for this quarter is high. Yeah, now it's higher than it normally is because I think I saw opex last quarter. The last time they reported, they were sitting at hundred hundred ninety to two twenty five. I think it was somewhere in that range. Yeah. But it was still, the operating expenses were still outstripping what they were bringing Sure. Now, net income was supposed to be between 94 and 105 million on the plus side. Right. The reality, Take-Two, now parent of Zynga, lost $104 million in the quarter. And that's, uh, even with that reduced uh, guidance, they were looking at a loss of like 50 million because the net positive last quarter was $152.3 million. Okay, so what might have happened there hold on it gets worse because this is actually benefited by uh a reversal of 47.7 million dollars related to forfeitures of previously granted stock awards i assume this is bernard kim oh who left zynga in may yeah uh forfeiting his uh you know any retention bonuses or uh forfeiting um you know rsus or whatever right you know performance-related stock units or just retention units or... Sure, You know, yeah. any kind of any kind of grant that vests over time where if it's not vested and you leave, then you lose. Yeah, for sure. So I have a funny feeling that's what that was related kinda to. Kind of seems like it. It was kind of a bummer that Bernard left. Yeah, he's, he's now the CEO of Match, I think. Okay. I think that's where he went. I mean, all right, go on with your bad self. Yeah. I mean, he's he did really great things at Zynga, like, and he's a, yeah. really, he's a really nice person. I've, I've interviewed him. I think I interviewed him a couple of times. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I like it. Um, couple of notes from the rest of the presentation. Uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns has been bumped to 2023. Oh. Uh, it is will be this fiscal year, so we're looking at like first I quarter. thought I thought it was supposed to be coming out in November. And this is the second delay. This is the second this delay. This is the second delay. It was oh. originally supposed to be out in the spring, and then it got bumped to October, November, and then it just got bumped to Q4 fiscal. Oh, I see. Yeah. Now... Uh, Arthur Geis made a uh, really smart observation when this delay happened because this is about the time where AAA publishers get their mocks back. So we're wondering if it didn't mock terribly well. And this is Marvel and they don't want to mess it up because this is a huge, like the licensing cost is huge. It's the licensing cost. And this is also a really risky proposition for Firaxis. Firaxis has said this is their biggest game ever. I, here's my, my take on that statement biggest is doing a lot of lifting because that can mean a lot of things sure it could mean like your most expansive game ever i don't know how that's the case when you've got a game a series like civilization so i'm thinking i don't know considering like their expedition pass which was yeah so crammed full of incredible content if you don't have the expedition pass you should you should definitely get it it's so good so i i think biggest here represents a number of things their biggest stretch because it takes them this is out of their comfort it zone. is this is like some even three, with xcom no even with xcom because this is some three houses shit right here it is and then it's uh their riskiest absolutely it's absolutely their riskiest i would i would agree with you on that one yeah uh grand theft auto 6 is well into development uh, i don't think we're gonna see it next fiscal year if we do that w- it will be a huge year for take two enormous year whenever gta 6 launches 
especially with the series' first female protagonist and the way they're planning on expanding the game with new stories and cities along the way as of that report. Like, that could be really ambitious and really exciting, and that will continue to bring in money. What they have to figure out with GTA 6, and part of the reason why these games take so long, is when you have the success that GTA 5 and GTA Online have, how do you replace that? Because this is a replacement product. Right. And it's... I wonder if this is the last Grand Theft Auto we'll see. I wonder if this is the last one that we will see. If they're going to continue to support it as a live service game, whether that's single player content or multiplayer content. um, Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Really, really interesting. So, I mean, look, we've often talked about Take-Two being very cyclical. Yeah, uh, I think Zynga evens out that cyclical nature a lot. I think they're pushing a mobile as even out their cyclical nature. I, I think mean, that I think s- if they had managed to get uh, Codemasters, it would have helped even out their cyclical nature. <laughs> EA says, "Hey, yeah." But WWE is back. The, the new WWE game is being received well, so so we might see some more of that evening out on the cash flow and and revenue th- revenue side. But whenever you have a uh, a big rock star release that number jumps up and of course we know that remedy is working on max Payne and max Payne 2 remakes with rockstar yeah so that will also assuming that take two is the publisher behind those which i imagine it would be then you've got a huge huge cap those those games are just gonna do huge amounts of they money they always do but also please consider Please remake Bully. Thanks so much. Yes. Uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of desire for a Bully remake and more Bully uh, because of how irreverent it was and how it it was not cynical in the way that GTA has typically been. I don't like cynical. But anyway. it did thumb its nose at authority in, in the right ways. <gasps> Shocking. I'm, I like playing games that thumb I'm, its nose at, at authority. I, I know I, it. And yet I and yet I cover business. Yes. Very exciting. Uh, so Take Two is expecting a full year net loss in the range of hold on to your butts. Okay. Four hundred thirty eight to three hundred ninety eight million dollars against net revenue net revenue of five point seven three billion to five point eight three. That's billion. that's sizable. I mean, so let's say at its worst, right? At its worst, let's look at the most unfavorable matchup here. So, because I didn't do this because we, you know, I wasn't even thinking about this in the context of Unity. So, if we take 438 million in losses divided by the low end of revenue of 5730, that's only 7.6% of revenue is their yeah. loss. So, again, this is why we look at that ratio, right? The ratio is really important. I mean, it's a huge number. This is funny money. Yeah. Right? We talk. We about are these, talking funny money. This is funny money. I think anything over a million dollars is funny money, yeah. <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. I'll tell you what. You want to hear me laugh? Just drop that into my bank account. I'll laugh for you. <laughs> I will laugh. It'll be like, <laughs> but better. But better. That was but, just a free taste. Yeah, it, it would be way better. Because so get we, at me with that with that $100 million. Yeah, because we'd use it to fund indie developers. We, 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 totally we honestly would. would. We absolutely would. <laughs> Not going to lie to you. If you want to fund us so we can fund indies, please, please to do that. We yes. would be so happy to just give money to indie developers, possibly forever. Yep. All right, Amanda, let's see how I did with the conversions. Let's talk about Thunderful. Okay, so Thunderful earnings for Q2, fiscal 22. Revenue is up 11% to 618.7 MSEC, or $60.6 million. Operating profit is way the heck down, 62.1% to 9.4 MSEC, 
um, or $921,000 US. Net losses were 21.8 MSEC uh, or $2.14 million. So, oh, and losses for the first half of the year were about the same, 20.7 MSEC or $2.03 million. All right, so here's the deal. There is a lot going on at Thunderful right now. And mm-hmm. it's not, it's, and it isn't, doesn't appear to be the game segment. Yeah, we're going to break this down. Is foundering here. So, you know how we talk about Japanese companies and all of their different pillars? We're going to be talking about that here with Thunderful as well. All right. So, on the same day as as we got the earnings, um, CEO uh, Brian's, uh, gosh, I always, it's Brian. Brian? Yeah, I think, I believe so. Sigurgesson? Sigurgesson. Sigurgesson. All right. See, look, I got it. I got it. Um, he announces he's stepping down. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so he's stepping down with CFO Anders uh, Makefist. And so I guess Makefist is taking over the role yeah, on an interim basis. Yeah, so he's stepping into the interim CEO role. Okay. Uh, yeah, sorry. It's been a it's been a minute since I've read I've read uh, I've read earnings earnings notes apparently, and I have to like reparse everything in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um. So Brian has led the company since its founding in 2019. He's going to be taking on a new role in the game segment of the company. Mm-hmm. So I think that what this means is Brian's moving over to go and help gaming. I hope so. That's kind. Of, that's kind of what I'm feeling here. I feel like that's what's happening. So let's. Speaking of games, though, let's talk about the game segment at Thunderful. So the game segment had a strong quarter with significant significant contribution from robot teddy sales were up uh 34.7 percent to 29.6 msec or 2.9 million dollars uh the ebitda grew 15.1 percent to 4.5 million msec or 441 thousand dollars the gunk significantly underperformed with a one-time impairment recorded, yeah, this is not good. This sucks. Uh, with a one-time impairment recorded of nineteen point nine msec or one point nine five million dollars, no additional platforms will be released. Yeah, so, so it came they out were, on PC and Xbox. Yeah, so um, they were planning on releasing it. They pulled the plug because it just wasn't. Worth it just it. wasn't. It just wasn't working. Which is that sucks. Yeah, that super super sucks. And my my heart goes out to the devs because that they put their heart and soul into that game. Mm-hmm. So go play um, that just to just, just to give it a like, look. Just like to give it a boost, right? Yeah. Go give the gunk some love. Distribution has also been very difficult. So this is a different, remember, this is a different segment for Thunderful. Um, there is reduced profitability here specifically. So revenue increased 2.4% to 10.7 MSEC or $1.05 million US. EBITDA dropped significantly, 84.9%. It actually was at a loss of 13, mm. it's like my, negative 13.9 MSEC or $1.36 million. Dang. Yeah, so this is where we look at, so Thunderful, we think of, we think of their games. Yeah. Right, well, we think of, of like SteamWorld and all that stuff. Because yeah. remember, Thunderful was like originally the merger of Zoink and uh, Image and Form. Right, right, right. There you go. You got it. And now it is, of course, much bigger than that. So they've got Berg Solo, which is their Nintendo distributor, which continues to do well. No surprise there. Yeah. They've got Amo, which is their toys distributor. Yeah. And they've got Nordic Games Supply, which is gaming accessories, merchandise, and physical games. They've got multiple partners there. 
Um, they've had very high inventory costs for their toys and Nordic game supply. It's not surprising. So that is actually what's been dragging this down. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to talk about surprising. this. I, I want you to hang on to this because hang on to the thought about accessories for when we talk about MPD for the U.S. Yeah. So the company is working to reduce losses and increase profitability in internally developed games. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, it looks like they're working towards an inventory reduction plan for distro yep. as well. And you know what? Like it is the supply chain is messed up right now. Distribution's messed up. Yeah. Inflation is screwing everything. So yikes. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I I, I watched the uh the investor presentation. Uh it seems there's a lot of confidence there about this plan, but there is a plan in place. Like that's the important thing. They they definitely made it clear, like, hey, we know things aren't where they need to be. We understand why that is, here's why that is, here's our plan. So we'll see how they execute on that. I love Thunderful, so I'm very hopeful that, that this stuff gets turned around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thunderful's done a lot of great work, and, you know, I have nothing but respect and adoration for the folks over at uh, Robot Teddy as well, mm-hmm. doing great work out there. We want to talk about doing great work with indies. Robot Teddy's yep. doing the thing. Absolutely. Uh, all right, moving on, we're going to talk about Remedy. Like, I didn't actually throw a lot of these conversions in, and I went to go do it. And right now, this is the weirdest thing. The euro and the dollar are, are at parity. What? Just about. Just about at parity. Well, that, that's so, actually really good to know. I have my eye on some things in Europe. <laughs> oh, I have. Oh, who are you acquiring, Embracer? <laughs> wait, wait. It's just a pair of shoes, man. Be be cool. Ah, uh, yes. Pair of shoes behind the, behind the hit game. Those are my socks. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about Remedy second quarter and first half of fiscal 22. Revenue is flat at... 9.4 million euro, which is about 9.4 million dollars. So I'm just going to say these in euro. Just know that right now it's practically at parity. So there's no point in me doing all the conversions. Uh, and that's for the quarter. They're up 25.8% for the first half to 22.1 million euro. Uh, their EBITDA loss for the quarter was at 1.8 million euro uh, from a positive 2.3 million euros last year in Q2. Right now for ha- uh, first half of the year, they're at 1.5 million euros in the positive. Got it. Operating loss for Q2 was 2.4 million euros. Uh, that's down from 1.5 million euros last year. Um, so I think they had a positive, they had an operating profit last year, and now they were they had an operating loss for Q2. Operating profit for the first half though was 400,000 euros. Okay. Um, and that's down from 1.3 million. Again, they haven't released anything. There's nothing like, out there. Control brought in a lot of money. Control did really well. Uh, Alan Wake remastered did really well. We're just waiting on games. We know that we know what's coming. Uh, no major highlights for the quarter, which explains all of this, with the exception of the announcement during the quarter that Remedy is remaking Max Payne and Max Payne 2 for Rockstar. So all that stuff we just talked about. So Remedy, nice and easy. Um, this is a they're they're just in a quiet period, right? I'm not a quiet period in terms of financial, but like they're not an they're, official quiet period. They're in development right now. Yeah. We know what's we know what's coming. We know the quality is probably going to be there. Remedy is one of my favorite developers. So I, I mean, I'm always Alan Wake. Yeah, Alan Wake. Max Payne one and two as well. Like two more control games. There's the multiplayer game, and then there's the we we know what's coming. Alan Wake. Alan Wake two, man. (laughs) I'm very excited. I love that he still looks pissed off and haunted. (laughs) As an author should. Oh, we're both authors, bro. Oh, we're both pissed off and haunted. Oh no, that's awkward. (laughs) Run away, Uh, grenade. You want to do Embracer or you want me to do Embracer? Oh, no. I did all the conversions here, though. Cause... Oh, I saw you were doing them on the fly. No, no, no. I, know I, did, I did Remedy on the fly. Embracer was oh, already okay. done. I'm so like, oh, doing... I missed him. I saw that you were doing some it. confusion or some conversions on yeah. the fly. All right. Well, we're just going to bounce back and forth, me and Mike. Yeah. 
All right, so let's talk about Embracer. We are going to talk about the big stuff, but we're going to leave that for investment interludes. So let's get the money out of the way first. Embracer's Q1 for fiscal 2022 sales were up 107% to 7.2 billion. BSEC. BSEC. Big sexy. <laughs> Big sexy. <laughs> We've watched a lot of Shorzy, folks. Yes, we have. Um, BSEC, which is uh, $684.3 million. PC and console were up 2% percent to 2.29 bsec uh or 220.5 million dollars i'm having so much fun with this uh mobile games up 104 percent that's awesome to 1.49 bsec or 107 or 143 million dollars i'm getting so caught up in this bsec thing bsec tabletop games were 2.67 bsec or $256.2 $256.2 million. This is the first time that Asmodee was part of a quarterly report. Yes. Now, Mike, you have an aside in here. I do. So what happened? Uh, Asmodee, so you might... <laughs> All right, let me put the tabletop hat on. All right, so Asmodee Digital... That's a fucked up hat, bro. It is a fucked up hat. It's just a giant meeple sitting it on my head. It is. That's all my head. That's exactly what it's I was imagining. It's a meeple sitting it on my head. It's a meeple sitting on your head. Yeah. This is not like with shitting its, on your head. With its arm up like in yeah. a rodeo, like a cowboy rodeo. Yeah, 100%. It's that's a real great hat, folks. Yeah. Uh, That's yeah, so Asmodee Digital was originally founded to take Asmodee's board, uh, board game catalog and convert them into digital forms. Now, we've seen some of this, and they did this work with other publishers as well. They did Scythe, right? Yeah. That was one of the ones they've done. They've done, I think, they, did they do Wingspan? Was that them? I don't know. I they've know done a, they, They've done a lot. They've done a lot. They've done a lot. They're changing the approach. Asmodee, digital has always been tough for Asmodee, and that's part of why I love the Embracer acquisition. I was very, I was very bullish. And you and I were both very bullish on the Asmodee, Embracer really, Asmodee partnership. It just sounded really great. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's get some more money for, for tabletop. Yeah. Let's get tabletop to the forefront. Let's, let's do some more transmedia with tabletop. Yeah, and we're going to talk about this in a, and we're going to talk about this when we get to investment interlude, why this is an even better synergy, like, now. Hey, so, dude, you're using a lot of corporate buzzwords. Synergy's, uh, synergy <laughs> was Gem's computer, you see. In Gem and the Holograms. Uh, so Asmodee Digital, nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody in the audience, like. What do you want me to say, this, man? This is I truly, was, truly, truly outrageous. I outrageous. Like, I think I was like two when it came. No, I wasn't even alive I when I, it came out. I would Hold give, on. I, I would give you a gem doll. Oh, I gotta look at it yeah. now. Oh, I was barely alive. You were barely alive? Yeah. Yeah. Gem and the Holograms. Ran from 1985, the year before I was born, to 1988, the year my brother was born. Okie dokie. <laughs> I watched it live on the TV. Yeah, I definitely didn't. So Asmodee Digital has now rebranded. <laughs> We're going to move right past that one. To Twin Sales Interactive. Did I make you uncomfortable? No, no, no. Jem's uh, real name, Jerrica, made me uncomfortable. Oh, God. Yeah. No. Yes. No, you're you're not serious. Yeah, it was in that Wikipedia page. I don't know if you saw it. No, I did not see it. Her name's Jerrica. Jerrica? Jerrica Barton. What? Rela- no relation to Clint Barton, though. <gasps> oh, Benton. Jerrica Benton. Uh, my mistake. That's weird. Okay. Yes. And then there were the Misfits. The Misfits were the bad band. There were uh, 65 episodes? Jem was hot, man. And I don't mean like, I want to I wanna smooch her. I mean like... She was like really popular. Jem was really, really popular. There were dolls and stuff. 
these are the same picture. I know. It's very, very so Hannah Montana. Confused. It's it so Hannah, Hannah Montana. <gasps> is that what this is? Is this is this the is this the foundation for Hannah Montana? In my TED talk, I will explain how Gem and the Holograms <laughs> influenced Hannah Montana. Yes, exactly. So yeah, I gotta watch it. Asmodee no! Digital has rebranded to Twin Sales Interactive, and instead of just being a port house or a port label for for tabletop games, they're actually going to be publishing uh, game original video games. A lot of them have like strategy slash tabletop elements to them, mm-hmm. uh, but they are not just going to be doing uh, porting or ad- 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 porting's not the right word adaptations of uh, of board games anymore. Uh, so let's see what else. Entertainment and services for uh, Embracer were up forty four percent to sixty four point five million dollars. Uh, EBITDA. Uh, which is operating income was up 31% to 708 MSEC or $67.5 million. This was actually a slower quarter for Embracer, which was, which only uh, released one game, but it did really well. Evil Dead was it the notable release and it actually was the top seller on PlayStation for, I want to see that. I want to see that uh, those MAUs and DAUs, man. I mean, I do too. Because you don't hear about the game anymore. This no, is not. It was like it had a strong push at the beginning. It y'all, did. Y'all, have you. Has anybody heard of Evil Dead recently? Has anyone checked on her? Yeah. I don't think she goes here anymore. I yeah. think I think Dead by Daylight went and ate up ate up the lunch there. Yeah. And Asmodee had a stronger than anticipated quarter. Oh, that's great. So that's not a huge surprise. So depri- despite Embracer's acquisitions in a slower first quarter, which showed negative 12% organic growth. Now, when you have a company like Embracer that is doing so much by way of acquisition, you have to look at organic Buy it, not growth. Buy not it. Yeah, but, but looking at organic growth is really important because you want to see... The numbers are going to go up, right? You're playing a, lo- you're playing a looter shooter. You're playing numbers a looter shooter. Numbers go burn. Numbers go up when you, when you acquire, but you have to look at how things that were constant from quarter to quarter or year over year did, and they, they actually shrunk 12%. Yeah. Um, it is expected to be positive organic growth between 20 and 30%, 35% for the full year. Here's the thing. Embracer now employs 13,877 people. Ooh. And that's before a wild slate of acquisition announcements taking us right into investment interlude where Embracer is pretty much the, the big story. There are everybody. Yeah, lunch. there are two other stories uh, within investment interlude. But boy, Embracer is the big the big daddy. Big daddy Embracer. Big daddy Embracer. Oh, boy. Big daddy Lars. Oh, Oh no, he's gonna hear that at some point. I would actually say this to his face. So Lars and I met. We talked on the phone right after the THQ purchase, and I'm like, "Who the hell are you?" <laughs> I remember. And then I went to Gamescom, and they had a small booth, and it was like, this is before they were THQ Nordic. It was Nord- Nordic Games. They were just Nordic Games, and they had no ambition. Like Lars had no ambition at the point. Oh, we just want to do some re-releases. We're not gonna go out there and make big games. We're not gonna go out there and make AAA games. Fast forward, you think they're making AAA games? Tiny Tina did pretty well for 2K, and that's a lot of Gearbox money for Embracer. That's a lot of Gearbox money. Evil Dead's not a small license when it comes to when it comes to horror. All right, though, but we gotta we gotta jump. We in. gotta do this thing. We gotta do this thing. We gotta ride it, this as pony it's, as it's going. Like I don't the meeple on my head is riding my head. Exactly. I don't know. As it's going, we might not be able to get through all of this before we before we have to split it out into its own episode another episode yeah embracer this is why we called it second breakfast baby this is definitely second breakfast all right walk me through all right some of this nonsense all right first up embracer has announced its 11th operating unit so remember okay 
if you are not familiar with how a company like Embracer works, where their structure is is not similar to EA or Ubisoft, no. or their their structure is very similar to a multinational conglomerate yeah, company in another industry. Yeah, so they're they, they are definitely operating like uh, a multinational conglomerate, like a like a food company. Yeah, like exactly. Coca Cola. Okay, that's a really good one. Or Kraft, sure. right? Or Procter and Gamble, like those. Those are the companies you think that, of. but games. But games. So what happens is you have and nerd. You have you have Embracer at the top, and under that you've got THQ Nordic, and you've got Gearbox, and you've got Saber, and you've got uh, Amplifier Game Invest, and you've got all of these other things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, you've got coffee uh, stains in there. You got coffee stain in there. You've got um, uh, Asmodee. You've got Dark Horse, right? So you have all of these. Where does yeah. oh. They don't, honey. We have to put the cock to bed. No, I don't want to. We have to. No, don't say it. <laughs> don't. Uh, Emmanuel, don't do it. <laughs> Dave Proctor gets me. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> don't do it, Emmanuel. So they have just opened their 11th operating unit, Embracer Free Mode, which is led by former Red Octane and Activision hardware executive Lee uh, Gunchard. Uh, Free Mode is going to include six market segments, retro classics slash heritage gaming and entertainment, game development and production, devices, gear and collectibles, community and e-commerce, and new idea and technology incubation and production services. They have This is where Skunk Works is. This is where Skunk Works is, yeah. The hiring of Lee Gunchard, who was a hardware guy, Oh yeah. Right? This is super interesting. Like well, and, but Red t- Octane was Guitar <laughs> Hero. It was. Not even just that. Let's think about this. No, you know what? No. We'll get to my thing. You continue. Yeah. We'll get to it. So my they thing. also acquired Geotech, which I've heard of. I actually got a review headset way, way, way back from Geotech, but they're mostly po- they're mostly popular in Europe. They you don't mean have- when you worked for Rip Ten? I think that was a Rip Ten one, yeah. Because I, I did so. this huge, huge headset guide. Uh, it was like I reviewed 25 to 30 headsets in the span of a year. <coughs> and we had this, this da- we had this like database where you could look for different features. And it was one of my biggest, biggest projects. And I was really proud of it. Um, so th- free mode is going to have more than 500 people working for them right away. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Much. Yeah. Uh, you take the next one because I know this one's near and dear to both of our hearts, but but you've got some e- extra insight here. I do have extra insight here. So Embracer has also purchased our dear friends at Limited Run Games. So big shout out to our buddies there. And Limited Run has helped more than a thousand digital first games find physical release. But part of this purchase was motivated by Limited Run's Carbon Engine. And as Mike put into the notes, um, I actually interviewed both Limited Run and... Uh, Jonas Rossland over at Hit Save about video game preservation. And we did talk a little bit, a lot of bit, about the Carbon Engine. So part of Embracer's initiative recently is they, you know, they talked a lot for, for free mode. They want this to be heritage gaming in there, right? Retro classic and heritage gaming and entertainment. And, and they now have a 50,000 plus game collection Correct. for preservation purposes. Correct. So this, to me, is a great fit for them because mm-hmm. of what Limited Run has been doing with regards to their flavor of preservation. And while in this house we do not stand corporations, this is a do-good mm-hmm. for the community. This is a do-good for preservation. And hopefully, based on what the tenets of their 
of what they really want to happen with regards to preservation, they will stick to this, continue their great work, reach out to museums, uh, reach out to other preservation societies. You can hit me up anytime, in fact, as a, as a board member of HitSave. You yeah. know, just and saying. The, the reason it's called the Carbon Engine is because its purpose is to create a carbon copy of a re, of older games and release them for more contemporary platforms. That's right. Like, that's huge. That's yeah, enormous. It is enormous. And the Carbon Engine is some of the most interesting stuff that I've seen come out of Limited Run, even though, you know, they've been doing really cool stuff with regards to manufacturing, with their packaging design. Um, we actually, uh, like, earlier, earlier in, in this in this show like way back when mm-hmm. um we interviewed josh yes to talk about you know how their approach to um building out those physical releases from digital first games how mm-hmm. that worked and how they came to be yeah absolutely so um huge congrats to josh fairhurst and, and uh Doug, Doug bogart and and ben yeah all those great people at limited they're Run. extremely good dudes they are um really excited for them uh, next up, Embracer has acquired Singtrix, a tech company that has created vocal processing effects for karaoke, gaming, and Ooh. other forms of entertainment. They own the patent to the tech that powered the Guitar Hero franchise. Again, you've got this this really nice marrying. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you see? Uh, so unsurprisingly, they're going to operate under Embracer Free Mode. Embracer has also acquired Tuxedo Labs, the studio behind physics simulation game Teardown. Saber will oversee Tuxedo Labs in the Embracer structure. Yep. Also, Saber uh, will be overseeing the new purchase of Tripwire Interactive, developer of Maneater and Killing Floor 2, and publisher of Chivalry 2. Notably, Toxic co-founder John Gibson is out entirely. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I'm sure he's making a mint uh, in the sale, but that's it. Not a dollar more bye after bye. this. Bye-bye. Go away. Go away. Uh, why are we calling him Toxic? Uh, you might recall that his support for draconian abortion restrictions in Texas was... Uh, Vociferous. Yeah. And, and unrepentant. Can, and he can eat butts. Uh, co-founder Alan Wilson is staying aboard the company. I wish Alan Wilson all the good things, and I hope that John Gibson gets butt spiders. <laughs> butt spiders. Yeah, if you're anti if you're if you're anti-choice, if you are anti-women's health, you deserve the butt spiders. The bitey ones. <laughs> all right, Amanda. Just, that's just how we roll on this all show. Alright, Amanda. Okay. Alright. Speaking of second breakfast. Embracer is purchasing Middle Earth Enterprises and with it certain IP rights to Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, and other works by J.R.R. Tolkien. Now, this does not, I just, I want to I put this up front. I want to put this up front. This does not mean that Embracer has full license to the Silmarillion. And I need people to understand that this is not going to be them creating derivative works on things that we haven't already seen. Mm, maybe. Because they have the the rights to... So they don't have the publishing rights. They, they're not going out... And they're, they are not the new publisher of, of editions of Lord of the Rings like the... Like From the my understanding, ones. this mm-hmm. did not include the Silmarillion. Really? Okay. That was my understanding This is very confusing. It. Folks, if you think... Like, this is almost up there with music rights. Yes. Tolkien... The Tolkien estate is notoriously difficult to to manage and like we we talked extensively about this earlier this year in february so let's just give you a rundown on this but that anyway the silmarillion thing Mm -hmm. i heard that in passing i might not be right on that so if i am wrong you hit me up and you let me know yeah um so let's talk about kind of how things came to be here so in february of this year news broke that the saul zantz company was looking to sell with an expected price tag of two billion dollars 
Middle Earth Enterprises is worth that. However, we know that this went for much less And we'll than talk that. about the numbers for... Because Embracer has stopped reporting, for the most part, numbers on individual purchases. Yes. Um, so we're just extrapolating out based on the total purchase price, but yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. The other thing to know is that the, this was missing from all of these announcements. Closing, mm-hmm. closing windows was... Some oh. of these are going to close this this fiscal year. Some of them might be next fiscal year, but we don't. We don't. It was very weird to not see that in each that individual. I wonder why they stopped doing that. That was always so helpful. Yeah. Um, okay, so what this does is it gives Embracer um, the IP, it gives Embracer IP catalog and worldwide re- rights to related movies, video games, board games, merch, theme parks, and stage productions. So, so board games in that list. Um, you may be aware. That there are a number of Lord of the Rings board games uh, from Asmodee subsidiary Fantasy Flight Games. There's the Lord of the Rings living card game. There is um, Journeys in Middle-Earth, I think it's called, which is an app-enabled board game. Yep. Uh, I think that Asmodee has the worldwide publishing rights to War of the Ring, which is a fantastic uh, dudes-on-a-map game. And then... um, I wonder how this relates to Free League just published a new edition of the tabletop RPG, The One Ring. And they announced that they are releasing a module that uses 5th edition rules for Lord... That's Lord of the Rings. Free that's League's pretty doing cool. That as well. That's so, really cool. Free League does really yeah, cool stuff. I love Free League. They're, they're, they're probably my favorite tabletop RPG publisher. All right. Embr- Play the Aliens RPG. It's real good. <laughs> You'll die. Horribly. Can confirm. Hmm. Embracer also now has matching rights for other works related to Middle Earth that were authorized by the Tolkien estate and HarperCollins. To my knowledge, that Mm -hmm. does not include the Silmarillion. Now, for those that are not Tolkien nerds like me, the Silmarillion is actually a lot of the backstory that goes into the underpinnings of what makes Middle Earth Middle Earth, right? So we're talking about um, the Lay of Lithian, which is about Baron and Luthien, the... Um, the stories of Valinor and the Valar, the old tales of the former ages of Middle-earth that we don't hear about in the Lord of the Rings novels or in The Hobbit. So I don't believe that it includes the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Um, um, let's talk about what matching rights are real quick, though. Oh, okay, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. because I think that this got missed. So the uh, a definition of, of matching rights, um, if anybody, if, if HarperCollins were in the Tolkien estate were ever to get an offer for the publishing rights for the books. Right. Embracer would have the right to match that offer. Right. That's that makes what, sense. That's what matching rights yeah, are. Yeah. So they that essentially they essentially get first crack at the can if somebody else comes in and they're cons- and and a sale is being considered. Yeah. That makes good sense. Yep. So, but that comes down to things that are authorized by the Tolkien estate right. and HarperCollins. Yes. And they would have to okay that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So moving on. So this, the, to be clear, like we said, Embracer does not own the publishing rights to the works. These are still with HarperCollins. And as we discussed, Asmodee already makes an excellent synergistic fit because of all of the reasons that Mike went into and I will not go through them again. Yep. The Amazon show Rings of Power is launching on September 2nd, which means that a new wave of, this is a new wave of licensing right. revenue and for Right, and again, them. this is a weird one because I saw, I saw someone uh, dive into this. Apparently the rights that Embracer has, so they might not actually get any revenue from this. I was, I was originally wrong. Oh, okay. Uh, because the Embracer rights, apparently they have rights to the movies. 
and TV shows with four serial shows with four or fewer episodes and Rings of Power's first season has eight episodes. Yeah, it says related movies. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's that's understandable. Yeah. That's understandable. Yeah. But if we're talking about, you know, like licensing here, mm-hmm. they get they get licensing on merch. And merch on Rings of Power is oh, it's gonna, gonna be, be sexy. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a, yes, there's a new WB animated movie called The War of the Rohirrim coming in 2024. That I think could be really cool. Yeah. And an EA mobile game called Heroes of Middle Earth. I don't think that'll be cool. I don't. (laughs) I don't think that'll be good. I am. I am not. All right. Jones in for that. So um, some other opportunities include exploring additional movies based on iconic characters such as Gandalf, Aragorn, Gollum, Galadriel, Eowyn, and other characters from the literary works of J.R.R. Tolkien and continue to provide new opportunities for fans to explore this fictive world through merchandising and other experiences. Mm-hmm. So transmedia, folks, that's what yeah, we're looking at here. Absolutely. So the interesting thing about that particular language is this would have to be wholly brand new stories because they likely cannot pull from the Silmarillion, which, as I understand, is not authorized by the Tolkien estate. Right. Not unless they struck a separate deal. Which is and entirely if they possible. Did, if they did, then then that's cool. Or if that's actually included, that's great. But they actually, from my understanding, they would have called that yeah. out. I wonder how this is going to relate because obviously WB um, is heavily involved in, you know, Lord of the Rings. And, yeah, and absolutely. So that's how that's how we got Lord of the Rings yeah. right back in the back in the aughts, twenty odd years ago. Now, what I'd really like to see is the re-release of the PS2 games. Those were great. Those were great games. Those were so great. All right. So Middle Earth, and after all of that, Middle Earth Enterprises will operate under newly formed Embracer Free Mode. All right. So we said up front when talking about Middle Earth Enterprises that we knew that it went for a lot less than the $2 billion. The total purchase price up front for all of these acquisitions was $6 billion sec, uh, which is $577 million. B-sec. 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 4.2 B-sec or $404 million uh, of that is cash at closing. 1.3 1.3 BSEC is $125 million over the next 12 months, and 500 MSEC is $48 million in shares. Plus, there's an aggregated 2.2 BSEC uh, earnout. It's $211.5 million. 1.5 BSEC is cash. That's $144.2 million. And 700 MSEC is shares. That's $67.3 million. So, a total, even with full earnout, is only $788 million. So far less than the $2 billion. Now, I'm wondering what happened there. And I'm wondering. I hope that we hear that story because I would be very, very interested in what negotiating at that table looked like. I have to wonder if WB was in the running <gasps> to purchase all of this and the deal fell through. Oh, because of the discovery Because of everything merger. what's going on at WB right now. Mm. So WB probably... So, ha- so again, this is the second effectively fire sale that Embracer has found itself benefiting from the first of course being square that enix west me out how could tolkien be considered like tolkien's works be considered a fire sale i don't know that i mean sucks. look lars winchforce might just have made a deal with the devil and be the best negotiator in all of gaming i'm sorry i don't get the publishing crossroads demon i buddy <sighs> buddy was it a crossroads demon you can tell us that's why you can hit us up it's wild we'll listen yeah so embracer says that it's still going to pursue m&a they ain't done yet but it's be- but it is becoming increasingly increasingly selective we ain't done yet yeah oh boy okay 
What's yeah. next? Uh, board game publisher Spin Master. Wow, it's a very tabletop. This is very tabletop. Yeah, uh, they're behind a number of casual licensed board games and hobbyist titles, as well as hobbyist titles like the excellent Marvel United, mm -hmm. which was a partnership between them and Simon because Marvel rights are also extremely tricky. Uh, they've announced the acquisition of Swedish video game studio Nordlight. Nordlight, which was founded by people who worked on Candy Crush, is working on a tower defense game called Jotunheim 1965 and a Rubik's Cube branded puzzle game. Spin Master made a minority investment in Nordlight in August 2021, that. and no terms were disclosed. Uh, Netherlands-based Soadesco has announced purchase of Spanish developer Superlumen. Superlumen has worked has largely worked on building out virtual experiences for Spanish brands. They are now pivoting to building and growing their own IP, including Desol Desolatium, a cosmic horror point-and-click adventure ooh, due out, well... In the last calendar quarter of this year. All right. Yeah. Um, no terms were disclosed. I'm All just right. saying, I'm thinking about Desolatium now. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. You know what else is good? What? We're going to take a break. Nice. Virtual Economy is an F-squared initiative. And along with pro bono business consulting for up and coming developers, it's a way we are working to give back to the community that has already given us so much. To find out more about F-squared and the services we can provide, including pitch prep, media training, mock reviews, and business strategy guidance, visit our website at fsquared.biz. And we are back? Yes. Hey, Mike. Yes. What time is it? It's time for Quick Hits. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, we're actually going to talk about this first one uh, in a little bit when we talk about MPD, but... Heck yeah. Do it. WB has seemed to have struck gold. Struck gold. Struck gold. Ah, uh, they're damn, damn golden in them hills. Struck gold. In them hills. <laughs> the hills being players, the I guess. The hills are alive with the sound of me striking gold. <laughs> wow. Um, anyway, with uh, its Smash-like character brawler Multiverses, which honestly looks awesome. The free-to-play game, which saw its first season debut just a few days ago, reached 10 million players in its first three weeks go on yeah wild right? go on with it but it looks great it does it does uh david braben who has led elite dangerous and jurassic park evolution developer frontier since its founding in 1994 is stepping down whoa chief creative officer johnny watts who has been with the company since 1998 will take over as ceo braben will remain on in the role of president additionally board chairman david gammon is retiring with sumo group cfo david wilton joining frontiers board interesting and transitioning into the chairman role very quickly in december Huh. That's an interesting pairing that we're going to be keeping our eyes on. Absolutely. You know what else I'm keeping my eyes on? What you think? This nonsense on? happening over at Paradox. Yeah, this is interesting. Paradox has announced a new publishing label after doubling down on, listen, we don't do that anymore. Uh, apparently there's a new publishing label called Paradox Arc. The company is looking for smaller games from up and coming developers that seem to, f that fit the same profile, deep, endlessly replayable experiences as internal Paradox games. Yep. So essentially, they're looking at so Bloodlines Two's dead. They they have not said that it died. I hope not. I think that they committed diablery mm, and made sad. it burst into flames. Oh. Honestly, though, yeah, it's fine. I mean, look, there should be lots of room for great gameplay loops, and there needs to be there. There doesn't there isn't a publisher out there that will that has said that it will take on those kinds of experiences for indies mm -hmm. so you know power to them yeah i hope it works out i am always rooting for indie developers so that's going to be something that we keep an eye on for the indies that we work with yes absolutely 
Uh, app analyst firm Aptopia says that Netflix's push into gaming hasn't quite caught on yet. Despite even with Point P, even with Point P, Point P, Point P, August. Uh, the group <laughs> says that games on the service, all of which are accessible on mobile, have been downloaded twenty three point three million times with one point seven million DAUs. That amounts to less than one percent of Netflix subscribers. Okay, so but there's reasoning here. There is reasoning here. All right. I wonder how many people actually. I wonder what percentage of of users it is that regularly engage with Netflix on their mobile devices. Okay, so let's think about it from a demographics perspective, right? If we think about it from what our kids are, let's think about it from the kids' perspective, right? Mm -hmm. The kids watch Netflix on their iPads and uh -huh. on their phones. That's where they tend to engage. However, if we think about it how we engage, we're doing it on a laptop, on a computer, on a smart TV, on a console. Yep. We're doing it literally everywhere but our phones. Yeah, I don't... It is so it very, very down, rare for me to use it on my phone. I mean, like, I will once in a while. Like, I did when we were stuck at Toronto Pearson Airport. Also, mm -hmm. never fly through Pearson. That's a... Folks, never. we haven't even touched Amanda's hellish travel bag. <laughs> we, did, we did get all the suitcases back finally, though. Only, yeah, I would say, I mean, it was, it was okay. Finally, it's happened to me. Got my luggage. What? Yeah. Also, United Airlines can eat my, eat my butt, uh, breaking the handle on one of our brand new suitcases on its very first. It was trip. the first time we took it Thankfully, out. Thankfully, Samsonite's got a great warranty. You dropped it off at the repair place this week. But uh, United. Poopies. Butt spiders. <laughs> We're just handing out butt spiders. We're handing, it's the new FAFO award. You get it's the butt spiders of the <laughs> you week. You get the butt spider. You get anyway. So let's that that's part of awareness, right? Yeah. Part of the awareness mm -hmm. there is that how many people over the age of thirty mm -hmm. are using their phones for Netflix? Yep. In addition to that, how many people are using their phones? Like how many people are back to commuting? Right. That's a good one. That's a good you know, point. It, that's it's another it's another one, right? If you're not sitting down, and that's another good one, mm -hmm. another good place to use your phone for Netflix is if I was sitting on NJ Transit heading into sure. Manhattan. Yeah, I probably would use Netflix because yeah. I can download it on right. my phone. Right, downloading downloading shows downloading is, is huge, huge, right? Yeah, and I mean, there's no tray tables in right. uh, in those right. In, in those in trains the, in the commuter in the commuter, in the commuter trains. trains. Yeah. So you know, you kind of just have to do what you got to do. Hmm. So anyway. I think that that's the awareness portion of it. Mike, from your perspective, what's what's been happening with like marketing? I don't think it's, there's been a big push yet. Uh, point P. Point P. I, I feel like that should be something that pops up at the top when you load it up on a TV or you load it up on a computer. Like there's nothing that indicates obviously like, oh, hey, guess what? You If you used our, you have our mobile app, we've got free games. Yeah, exactly. Like, they have trailers for everything. Why are they not running game trailers at some point? I can't imagine Games on mobile. Like, because you flip down. Right? It's like, you're, you know, here's your list, and here's the stuff you've been watching, and here's recommended for you. And, oh, games on mobile. Oh. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. So, basically, what we're trying to say is there's no real plan yet. Yeah. Uh, the awareness is probably very limited. Yes. To people that are hyper online or yes. are analysts like mm -hmm. us. And the marketing is non-existent. Yeah, it cool. ain't great. That's, that's so, what's happening there. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what Netflix does and how committed to this they are. I mean, they did buy a game studio. Yeah, real quick. Yeah, real quick. <laughs> you know what else has been real quick? What? Quick hits. And those were quick hits. You did it. It was It was okay. It was all right. Was I'm okay. tired. I, need, I'm, I got a little bit of a headache. 
is, is I could it, use some caffeine. It's okay. Quick hits. Quick hits. Quick hits. <laughs> you are not Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> Those were quick hits. Hey, Joker. Quick hits. <laughs> Out of kind. No, don't do Meryl. There it is. Quick hits. Oh, no. Liquid. Oh, no, I was hoping you weren't going to do that. Every time. Every time he does that. And then he chuckles to himself. Every time. All right, so let's move on to the labor report. It's not huge this time around. Oh, uh, yeah, but, could, but... But, man, it sucks. Oh, uh, yeah, it's real it bad. It sucks. We don't have any... Do we have no any good news. Positive? There's no, no good news. No good news. It's all bad news. It's all bad. All right, kicking off. Axios broke the news that Nintendo is now facing a second National Labor Relations Board complaint. What are they doing? Uh, it's apparently it is systemic. Like the first comp- complaint, this one targets both Nintendo and its staffing company, Aston Carter, which supplies Nintendo with customer service reps, QA, uh, technicians, and administrative employees. The complaint alleges coercion, retaliation, and firing workers who attempted to engage in protected organizing activity. So At cool. the same time, a Kotaku report emerged alleging a pattern of sexual harassment at Nintendo. Again, this centers around contractors provided by Aston Carter, formerly known as Aerotech. The report details multiple incidents of harassment enabled by the power imbalance between full-time employees and contractors looking for stability. And we've talked about this. Huh. That's sure. Uh, a tale as old as time. Yeah. So, oh, uh, song is old like as one rag. of the things in there, it's like people saying like, oh, well, if they come on to you, you don't be too harsh with them because they could be your ticket to getting a full time job or not. Horrible. Yep. There are also threats of retaliation, HR being dismissive and gaslighting employees. HR is never your friend. HR's it's never your friend. friend. I don't know how many times I have to say this to people. HR doesn't give three shits about you. They are there to protect the company, not the employees. Yeah. And it sucks. And I'm sorry that, that people went through this because you know what? If you if you went through something like that, you didn't deserve it. That's horrible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, man. A double whammy from Activision. Oh, of course. So Activision is continuing to fight QA unionization efforts at Blizzard Albany. A Washington Post report says that the company is arguing that anyone working on Diablo games... Uh, Diablo games there should be part of the bargaining unit, but that WoW and Overwatch task-based employees should not. This is a new tactic after Activision lost its fight at Raven. I, I have a funny feeling there's two reasons for this. One, you're increasing the size of the bargaining unit and doing it in a way... Again, this is a very different approach than they used at Raven. So... They're trying to divide the bargaining unit and Stop. actually expand it. But also, I'm wondering how many of the people in the QA bargaining unit are not assigned to Diablo. They might be assigned to WoW or Overwatch, and therefore they would be removed from the bargaining unit. They're looking to weaken the bargaining unit, essentially. That's unbelievable. So a decision on this is due in a few weeks. Yep. Additionally, the Communication Workers of America has filed an unfair labor practice charge with the NLRB, alleging that Bobby Kotick and his cronies have been surveilling workers during walkouts and disrupting communications among workers discussing pay, hours, and conditions. None of this is okay, by the way. No, no. it's horrible. And the NL, if, if found to be true, like the NLRB is just going to smack Bobby Kotick around and I would pay money. I and mean, you could sell tickets to that shit. Oh man, could they make a pay-per-view? That oh would be the God. first pay-per-view thing I've ever watched. Oh my God, I would totally do that. Oh man, I love this. Hit him with a fish. Hit him with a fish! <laughs> Hit him with a fish! Trout Bobby Kotick. <laughs> He's Trata here. <laughs> God, I hope so. God, I really hope that Microsoft kicks his booty to the, to the curb. I, you know what? Money, even mm. money aside, man, he just like go away. Yeah, just he's go. another one. Go away. At this point, the it's inevitable that he's probably going to make a ton of money 
on the way out the door, but, but let's just get him out means, the door. But maybe that means he'll just not fuck anything else up. Well, I hear that Jeffrey Epstein's Island is going to be going up for sale soon. And we know Bobby Kotick took a ride on that plane. We're never, ever going to stop. We're, nope. we're like, nope. we're, we're dogs with bones over here. Yep. Uh, All right. That's the end of the labor report. And we're going to move right along into last the story. last story. NPD for July 2022. Mike, kick us yep. off. Uh, unsurprisingly, spending in the U.S. video game market fell 9% to $4.1 billion in July 2022 uh, compared, uh, compared to what it was in July 2021. So it's down 9% from last July. Uh, this is even slightly below yes. July 2020, though. So we are now sliding back to pre-pandemic spending. Yeah. And nobody thought, again, before Russia invaded Ukraine, before the inflation issues popped up i we were all pretty confident that we were going to be net positive uh when compared to before the pandemic and we still might be but the fact that we're sliding down at this point is something that we really need to watch and i don't think the rest of the year is going to be good on the software side no. every every major title almost every major title has slid out of this year yep. the fall release lineup is relatively thin it's scant although there are some great indies coming out and there so are if you, if you are Aiken for some games. I got some good game recommendations for you based on some indies. Yeah. All right. So it looks like year-to-date spend is down 10% to $30.5 billion. Subspending is up, but it cannot offset other declines. Yep. So let's talk hardware. Hardware was up 12% year over year to $362 million, but down supply 7 Supply chain is... Supply chain. It's supply issues, right? We, we've is. known this, and this is something that Matt Piscatella, like this, he's worn a bass drum, and it's just been the supply is going to dictate revenue, supply is going to dictate revenue bass drum. Just like smacking it. Boosh, 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 boosh. Exactly. Oh, uh, it's almost marching band season. It is, it is marching band season. Band camp has started. And oh, we I forgot about that. You know yeah. who's not doing marching band? We are not doing marching band this Hooray! year. I love it. Uh, so, uh, hardware spend is down 7% year-to-date to $2.5 billion. PlayStation 5 led spending for July and year-to-date. Switch leads unit sales in July and year-to-date. Uh, both PS5 and Xbox Series, again, let's talk about supply, had double-digit growth year-over-year. Year. Yeah, I nature, mean... Nature is healing? No. No, it's getting worse out there. I would imagine the holidays can be ugly. Yeah, we'll it's see. It's going to be real ugly, especially for software. If hardware bumps... The hardware... The hardware... Nature, hardware's probably, Nature is healing for hardware. Nature is healing for hardware. Nature is... It is ugly for software. Well, and part of that is... Like, you've seen the crypto crash, which has uh, helped video cards become more available. Which I, I have this funny feeling, like, a lot of this is tied to the, to the crypto winter. <laughs> Oh yeah, baby! Come and fight the crypto winter. NFT bros, I'm waiting for you. Oh man, I would pay for you that too. That's yeah. two pay per view things I'd pay per view. Two, yeah. I'm not gonna say it. No, I'm not gonna. Don't do it. Yeah. It's a twofer. It's a twofer. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Let's talk software. Multiversus led the month with Founders Packs. Okay, hold on. Let's repeat that. A free to play yep. game. Yep. Was the best seller. Yep. Of the month. Yep. Uh, 10 million players. 10 million players. 10 million players. So we told in three you to weeks. hang on to that thought. 10 million players in three weeks. And the Founders Packs brought in so much money that it was tops. It topped Elden Ring, folks. Because Elden Ring slipped just a bit from number one to number two. And it is just an absolute beast. Yeah, it's headed, headed for a for game, a game of, the of the year sweep. sweep. It is. And you know what? Not mad about it. Not mad about it. Not mad about it. Uh, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Chronicles, uh, slipped from number two to number three. Again, holding in, that's WB with the number one spot and the number three spot. Absolutely. 
Xenoblade Chronicles 3 debuted at number four. And remember that that doesn't even include digital sales. I think Matt said that two launched at number 19. Like this is huge. Yeah, it's really, really big. People have cl- are there. They are hungry. Yeah, they're hungry for the. JRPG. It's a hundred hour. It's a hundred hour game. Yeah, I mean, like if you're gonna go put down the bucks, it may as well be yeah. for you know. And that's a game before that's... they add the DLC too. Oh my god, it's so. too much game. Yeah. I'm too tired for that. It's too much. Yeah. All right, what's going on with Call of Duty? Uh, Call of Duty Vanguard bounced back to number five from number eleven, so back in that top ten. MLB The Show 22 dropped from number four to number six. Again, this does not include Xbox or Switch digital sales. Mario Kart 8 hanging in the top 10, dropping one place from number six to number seven. Digimon Survive somehow debuted at number eight. This game has been hotly anticipated. Despite only selling for two days in the reporting period. Hotly anticipated. I don't know anything about this game, man. Uh, Oh, wait, did you show me that trailer? Was uh, that the trailer you showed me? uh, I don't know. Digimon Survive is part visual novel, part strategy game that strategy, is the... strategy rpg i think oh okay so what you're saying is i'm playing it Probably. got it uh minecraft climbed from number 10 to number nine pretty sure that our kids are solely responsible for that i know right f122 rounded out the top 10 up from number 12 some highlights in the bottom half of the top 20 animal crossing new horizons cod blops cold war <laughs> And Far Cry 6 were back in the top 20, climbing from the mid-20s. I mean, it uh, makes me laugh every time. Well, get ready to chuckle. Cod Blops 3. <laughs> you gotta, like, belch it out. Cod Blops. <laughs> One more time. Cod Blops. <laughs> 3. <laughs> it's back at number 19 from number 37. Oh, no. Why Why, why all this Blops? Love. <laughs> I don't know. Blop I, hard. I, ugh, I don't know. Let's talk straight about- Morbin. No, no straight Morbins. Okay, so let's talk mobile. Things yes. are not looking good. No, it's not good at all. Yeah, yeah. Summer is is usually a pretty good time for mobile. Yeah, you know because you know people are traveling uh-huh. and you're spending a lot of yep. stupid time at stupid airports like Toronto mm-hmm. Pearson, where they lose your luggage uh, and don't know where it went. And Butt then- spiders. <laughs> I know they're Blops. doing their best. I know they're doing their best, but I'm so mad at them so mad uh it has not been a good summer for mobile so july showed the largest year-over-year decline for any 2022 month we are watching to see what happens as seasonal trends tend to bump mobile in the colder months as well so normally we see summer you'll get a hit in july august then it'll cool for the fall then you'll get another hit around end of november through December and into early January, mm-hmm. and then it'll slow down. Then you'll get another hit again, usually around spring break in the United States. Like if we're just looking at the United States, which we are for NPD, mm-hmm. we'll get that bump and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's usually very seasonal and it's yeah. around travel. So July's best games in turn was of spend. No big surprises here. Candy Crush Saga, Roblox, Coin Master, Pokemon Go, Ebony, the King's Return. Ebony awaits my liege. Every time we do it. Every time. <laughs> Royal Match, Bingo Blitz, Dragon Ball Z Dokken Battle, um, Jackbox Part, or sorry, Jackpot. Oh man, we should just play Jackbox. That's really, I love Jackbox. I just uh, see it everywhere now. Like, so. like uh, Lude, Lude Quiplash is the way to go. It's especially entertaining when Lude Quip, Quiplash is with like people you're related to. Yes. That gets weird. Anyway, jackpot. Find out a lot about your family. You really do. And homescapes. I found out some uncomfortable things about my parents when we were playing. 
<laughs> we played Quiplash when we were in Vancouver. So nice. It was it was weird. <laughs> All right, accessories. Again, we remember we talked about Thunderful's challenges. Spending fell twenty two percent to one hundred forty eight million dollars. I can't July. even say it was a tough comp because like a hardware and or sorry accessory spend was down around this time last year yeah. too. Uh, gamepad spend is way down. Everybody's got what they need right now. And again, if you're not moving a lot of consoles, although things are up, you're not moving a lot of controllers. Right. But also people are usually pretty, like if you're getting your console right now, you're just going to stick to what you got. Yeah, absolutely. Year to date accessory spend is down 15% to $1.2 billion. PlayStation 5 DualSense Midnight Black was the best seller for July. (laughs) Xbox Elite Series 2 leads the dollar sales year to date. Phew. Yeah, we did it. Uh, I'm going to sneeze. Oh, gosh. Everybody in the audience, say bless you, Mike. Bless you, Mike. Fudge. Oh, here he goes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he lost it. He lost the sneeze. He's just going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to keep that. <laughs> you should. That's something for all of you out in the audience, faithful listener. Oh my god! If you want to subscribe to Mike's sneezes, I'm not even going to cut that. It was it was too entertaining. You can hit me up on Twitter, and I'll give you a personalized sneeze you can use as a ringtone. And with that, thanks for (laughs) listening to the Virtual Economy Podcast. Yeah, we'll sell your sneezes in NFT, bro. Oh no! No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, You can follow us on Twitter at at Virtual Econcast. I'm Adam Andafero. You either die the hero. Or you live long enough to become the NFT, bro. I am at Footerish, F-U-T-T-E-R-I-S-H. You can subscribe to our RSS feed at Virtual Sneeze On Cast. Uh, <laughs> VirtualEconCast.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon Stitcher, Pocket Cast. There's always one. Ah, Pocket sand right in my nose. Uh, please subscribe and if possible, review the show. Let us know what you think. So along with that, you can also DM us with questions. So that's on uh, Virtual Econcast on Twitter. You can send them to podcast at fsquared.biz. You can hang out with us on Discord and ask us questions. We have a lot of great, we haven't had a ton of great business chats in there recently because there hasn't really been much, but you can definitely hang out and we talk about like tabletop games and Warhammer. We've been talking a lot about Warhammer and RPGs. And uh, Ryan uh, put in a picture of the weirdest looking fight stick I've ever seen today. It was, it was so cool. I, I went and I watched that that whole situation. I gotta I watch it. At, I looked at that whole situation. It is it three cool. joysticks. There's no buttons. It's, it's just incredible. three joysticks. That's like, that's big brain right there, as Gabriel would say, right? That's yeah. some big brain pro gamer stress. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. And that's it for us. Yes. So remember to wash your hands, stay hydrated, and be good to one another. We will see you soon. On the flip-flop. Achoo.